This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bearing witness that none has the right to be worshipped or unconditionally obeyed except for him. And we bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his final messenger. We ask Allah to send his peace and blessings upon him, the prophets and messengers that came before him, his family and companions that served alongside him and those that follow in his blessed path until the day of judgment. And we ask Allah to make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, we continue in the dua of the Prophet where he used to seek refuge in Allah from four things. And again, if the only takeaway you get from this series of khutbah is that you memorize the dua and that you say it every single day, then that is enough ta'ala. that the Prophet used to seek refuge in Allah frequently from four things. And this is narrated by multiple companions. And so you would hear the Prophet making this dua with the order sometimes of the qualities different, but the same four things. He used to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa' wa min qalbin la yakhsha' wa min nafsin la tashba' wa min du'a'in la yusma' Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa' wa min qalbin la yakhsha' wa min nafsin la tashba' wa min du'a'in la yusma' He would say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O Allah, I seek refuge in you from knowledge which is of no benefit from a heart that has no humility, no awe of you, from a soul or a self that is never satisfied, the cravings of that self, which we talked about last week, are never satisfied, and from du'as, from a supplication that is not heard. Now, subhanAllah, this particular part, because we've covered qalbin la yakhsha' and nafsin la tashba', ilmin la yanfa', knowledge that is of no benefit, sometimes, it's automatically assumed that if I'm not a student of knowledge, if I'm not someone that's trying to become a scholar, I'm not tr- someone he's, who's even that particularly interested in religion, I'm not someone who's really into the whole you know, realm of ilm in that sense, then this part of the dua might not really resonate with me, but hold on, because every single part of this dua is immediately relevant to you as a Muslim. And so what does it mean when the Prophet says, مِنْ عِلْمٍ لَا يَنْفَعْ Knowledge that does not benefit. And there are two things to separate here. Is the knowledge itself beneficial or not? And is your heart in a condition in order for it to be beneficial if the knowledge itself is beneficial? So is the knowledge itself that we're speaking about in the category of what is beneficial? And then the second thing, is there a proper receiver? for that beneficial knowledge, if it is indeed beneficial knowledge. And there's a profound narration from the Prophet and it's what the scholars of hadith would class as sahih li ghayrihi. It's authentic because of the the numerous chains through which it comes, where the Prophet said, مَن تَعَلَّمَ الْعِلْمَ لِيُبَاهِيَ بِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ وَيُجَارِيَ بِهِ السُّفَهَاءِ وَيَصْرِفَ بِهِ وُجُوهَ النَّاسَ إِلَيْهِ أَتْخَلَهُ اللَّهُ جَهَنَّمُ Prophet said, whoever learns knowledge, whoever acquires sacred knowledge, for one of three things. Number one, he said, to argue with those that are more learned than him as a tool of argumentation. Or, to shame someone who is less knowledgeable than him. 
So either to argue with someone who has more knowledge or to put someone down, to shame someone who is considered less knowledgeable than him, those who are considered ignorant. Or, yasrifa bihi wujuhan nasa ilayhi, to turn people's faces towards him, meaning what? To be the center of attention. Adkhalahullahu jahannam. Allah would enter that person into the fire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Allahumma ameen. Now subhanAllah, what makes this narration so profound first and foremost is that every version of it ends with adkhalahullahu nar, adkhalahullahu jahannam. Allah would enter this person into the fire. Allah would enter this person into jahannam. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ famously said that whoever seeks out a path of knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate the path to jannah for that person. Knowledge is a path to jannah. So how here does knowledge become a path to the fire? Now, if you're speaking to a person who's trying to learn this beautiful religion, then obviously you would talk about how important it is to not fall into the traps of trying to acquire this knowledge for any of the reasons that are mentioned in this hadith. But even if you are not seeking sacred knowledge or trying to become a scholar, this hadith is still applicable to you because the underlying spiritual condition of all three of those scenarios applies to every single Muslim, whether it's sacred knowledge or not. And so, do you seek knowledge as an Islamic knowledge so that you could win a WhatsApp conversation, right? Or an argument online. Do you seek knowledge so that people will turn their faces towards you to become the center of attention? Now remove the Islamic elements. Let's say that you're talking about something completely irrelevant to Islam, right? Everything is relevant to Islam, but completely irrelevant to the pursuit of sacred knowledge. All of this still applies. You're on Twitter and you want to win something, you, you know, you want, you want to appear to be a certain way or you're in some sort of a dialogue, so you want to Google something so that you can have the answer to prop yourself up or to put someone down. It could be fantasy football. It's still an underlying spiritual condition here. It still applies to you. Do you try to attract people's attention to you? Do you put people down in conversation and seek out knowledge Islamic or worldly for the sake of trying to put someone down? And do you seek out those things so that you could have an argument or put yourself on a level with someone that knows more than you because you don't like the feeling of being a degree less than anyone in anything? Then it becomes just like a person who wants to build a house that is as big as someone else because they don't like having a smaller house. Or a person who wants to outshine someone in a wedding because, you know, they don't want to be outshined in this way or a person who wants to dress a certain way. The only thing that changes here is that the tool by which those things are sought is sacred knowledge, is ilm, which makes it that much more dangerous. Because that means that your craving for attention, your pride and your ego, nafsin la tashba', connected to last week, a soul that is never satisfied, a self that's never satisfied, will even resort to using religion in order to feed those cravings. So even the Qur'an, like I'll use an ayah of the Qur'an, I'll find a hadith, I'll, I'll learn some poetry if I have to. I'll do anything in order to become a center of attention, or to put someone down, or to argue with somebody. Because I have nafsin la tashba' wa qalbin la yakhsha, a heart that is not humble, and a self that I have to keep on, 
feeding. And subhanAllah, it becomes more flammable with ilm, with knowledge. Why? Because as Bishr al-Hafi he said that I'd rather someone seek out the material world through becoming a singer than becoming a scholar. Why? Because at least you're using batil to achieve batil. You're using means of falsehood to achieve an output of falsehood versus using something that is sacred to achieve something that is so lowly. Don't use the Qur'an to try to win an argument. Don't try to throw in your religion thing. And subhanAllah, we, we see this, you know, and, and, and it is the case, right, that religion becomes the, the conversation of the day and it becomes a form of gossip, it becomes a form of namima, it becomes a form of all sorts of lowly things. And because someone wants to win an argument so bad or wants to appear education, you know, educated on something, they'll start talking about something they have no business talking about. Why? Because I want to be the center of attention at the table. I want to appear to be knowledgeable. I want people to say certain things about me. So you have to solve the underlying spiritual condition and certainly not increase it, not increase it with something that is so beautiful and so pure. So it's that sacred knowledge, ilmin la yanfa', that sacred knowledge should never, I mean the worst thing you could do is take sacred knowledge and use it as a means of a false ideal. And subhanAllah the ulama say, look at the Prophet who is more knowledgeable than Rasulullah It would be kufr to say it's anyone but him. Right? He is the most knowledgeable person of this ummah by consensus. What did revelation do to him No one tolerated the quote-unquote ignorant, the masses, better than he did. He was patient with the Bedouins when they would come to the masjid. More patient than anyone from this ummah, though he was the most knowledgeable person of this ummah. No one was more humble with the people. No one, and I don't want to say shame people less, because he never shamed you, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He didn't condescend, he was not condescending towards people. He didn't put people down. And even when it comes to attracting attention, subhanAllah, look at the humility of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he had to say something in relation to himself, he was shy, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he would mention that on the day of judgment, as he was narrating the scenes of the day of judgment, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would privilege him in certain places, he would say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with his head down, I'm not trying to boast. Just know that I'm not putting anyone down here. I'm giving you the factual uh, scenes of the day of judgment. So what does that tell you? If sacred knowledge makes you an arrogant person, and it makes you someone who's judgmental and condescending and someone who slanders and someone who gossips and someone who's in soap operas and dramas all day just with their ilmi twist to them, a knowledgeable twist to them. Either something is fundamentally wrong with the knowledge that you're pursuing or the one who's giving it to you or your intention as you're pursuing it. Pursue sacred things with sacred outcomes in mind. Otherwise, it's like Isa alayhi salam it's narrated that Isa said that to give knowledge to someone who is pursuing it with the wrong intention is like dressing a pig with jewelry, right? It's gold, but you're putting it on a pig. You have to change the condition of yourself when you pursue this. Why do you want to learn? Why do you want to know? Why do you want to be heard? Why do you want to pursue? What is it that you are looking for? Because the main thing that you want from this ilm, from this knowledge, is that it purifies you. You him that it purifies you on the inside, and then it produces the beautiful fruits, the beautiful seeds that will go on to benefit you ta'ala for many, many, many years to come and be a sadaqa jariya for you. But you want knowledge, and you ask for it. 
And the one thing that Allah told us to ask Allah for is Rabbi zidni ilma. Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Increase me in knowledge. Knowledge that fits the other categories of this dua. Knowledge that brings khushu' to the heart. Knowledge that makes your heart more humble. Knowledge that curbs the ego. Knowledge that curbs the self. Knowledge that leads you to action that makes your dua heard. Because we know that dua is heard when there is action to that dua. So you want knowledge that inspires the other things that are mentioned in this uh, dua. And someone might say, well, what about worldly knowledge? What if I just want to learn something because it's cool? What if I want to learn something because it gives me purely worldly benefit? And the answer is, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Actions are but by intention. Seeking knowledge is an action. Therefore, if you are seeking knowledge for something that is halal, it is halal. And if you're seeking knowledge for something that is haram, it is haram. And if you're seeking knowledge for something that is praiseworthy, it is praiseworthy. If you're seeking it for a particular outcome, that's what's going to judge the very thing that you are seeking. Now, what does this mean for us as we study Islam? Because we are not a people as Muslims who should accept ignorance for ourselves. You know, when someone says, I don't want to even know what's halal and haram because that way you're kind of spoiling it for me. I'd rather just be in the ignorant because that way, if I'm in the category of the ignorant, then, you know, I can, I can plead some version of the fifth on the day of judgment. It doesn't work that way. You have to seek knowledge. Rabbi zidni ilma. Everyone is supposed to pursue knowledge. There is a collective fard of some sort to where you need to know something of your religion and you need to want to increase in your religion, starting with the Quran. Do not be satisfied. Do not be satisfied with memorizing a few surahs from Juz'a Amma and then coming to the masjid and saying, you know, mashallah, Quran competitions, hifth competitions. Don't be satisfied with yourself, with the halaqat and saying, well, I come to Jum'ah. No, push yourself to do more, but want more from that knowledge and how you pursue that ilm. And subhanAllah, with all of the means by which things are available to us, I'll end with a couple of narrations. One of them is from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu which shows you how the companions would read the Qur'an. Some of the tabi'een asked him, how did the companions used to read the Qur'an? Not many of them were hafath. Not many of them were hafath. Not many of them memorized the Qur'an. Very few of them memorized the Qur'an. And he said, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that we the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kanu yaqtari'oona min rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ashra ayat fala yaakhudhoona fil ashri al-ukhra hatta ya'lamu ma fi hadihi min al-ilm wal-amal qalu fa'alimna al-ilm wal-amal He said radiallahu ta'ala anhu we the companions of the Prophet sallallahu we take 10 ayat at a time this is how the sahaba used to study Quran we took 10 ayat and we would not move on to the next 10 until we sat and we pondered upon all of the implications of those 10 verses. And then we took those 10 verses and once we felt like we pondered the implications and the application, then we moved on to the next 10. So we would learn al-ilm wal-amal. We would learn the knowledge and the application of those verses simultaneously. Now someone might say, you know, you say to someone, why don't you memorize the Qur'an? Oh, because the companions used to not memorize the Qur'an until they moved on. So you're going to stick to 10 surahs of Juz'a Amma and just say, well, that's enough for me. You're not going to do the hifth or the amal. It doesn't work that way. This is to infuse your hifth with something else, to put something into the memorization of the Qur'an, the application of it 
as well, so that you can see how you can further benefit from that knowledge, because on the Day of Judgment, that knowledge will be a proof for you or against you. It'll be a proof for you or against you. And then SubhanAllah, taking that attitude of not just how we read the Qur'an, but how we read everything else. One of my, one of my favorite narrations in this regard. And SubhanAllah, uh, the narration is from Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, who narrates from Al-Waqi' ibn Jarrah, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, rahimahullah, who narrates from Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, three of the greatest scholars of Islam who were schools not just of how to learn, but how to practice. These were three men that were distinguished by their piety as well as their knowledge. And guess who the last person being narrated from is? Sufyan says, I narrate from my mom. Sufyan al-Thawri has a narration from his mom. He said, when I was a child, my mom told me, and we were very poor. She said, She said, go and learn. Go to all the halaqas you can. I want you to learn. I want you to go to this scholar and go to that scholar and go to this scholar and go to that scholar. And she said, I'll support you with my sewing and my washing the dishes and cleaning up. I'll do what I have to do. You know, most of the imams had single moms. Most of them came from single moms, subhanAllah, that produced these incredible people. Sufyan al-Thawri said, my mom said, I'll figure it out. I'm going to earn this money. I'm going to spin and sew and wash. I'll do all the odd jobs so that you can continue to go and learn from the best scholars in the world. But then she said to me, Ya Bunay, O oh my son, إِذَا كَتَبْتَ عَشْرَةَ أَحَادِيثِ فَانْظُرْ هَلْ تَرَى فِي نَفْسِكَ زِيَادَةً فِي خَشْيَتِكَ وَحِلْمِكَ وَوَقَارِكَ she said, oh my son, every time you go and you write 10 hadiths down, I want you to stop with those 10 hadiths. And I want you to ask yourself with those hadiths, because that was the ilm of the time. Go and collect the hadiths of the Prophet Ask yourself, have you increased in your fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Have you increased in your humility? Have you increased in your dignity and your character? And if you have not, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا يَضُرُّكْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُكَ Know that all the stuff that you're learning is not going to benefit you or harm you. It's just information at that point. It's only knowledge when it transforms. It's only knowledge when you look at how to apply it in yourself. Think about what we teach our children in regards to learning this religion. We send our kids to learn the Qur'an. We send them to Islamic schools. We send them to learn hadiths. We send them to learn this, learn that. But if they're coming home and they're not seeing a house of Qur'an, and a house of seerah and a house of hadith, you're teaching them early on cognitive dissonance. This mom is saying, look, I'm going to do this and I'm happy to do this, but I'm not doing this so that I can put you, a, you know, hold you as a trophy when you memorize so many hadiths and say, my son is Sufyan al-Thawri. I'm doing this because I want you to take every 10 hadith and see how you can apply them in your life and how you can grow closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim ibn Ismail, he, he said that the Salaf used to say, that we used to in fact memorize by practice. Meaning what? We learn to memorize this religion, to memorize the sacred texts of this religion because we practice them daily and we would tell ourselves that this is how we're going to keep memorizing them because they were constantly making the connection between everything that they do in life with that sacred knowledge. And so when the Prophet used to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika, مِنْ عِلْمٍ لَا يَنْفَعْ Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from knowledge that is of no benefit. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in knowledge that is beneficial, that transforms us. And it goes back to us being willing to commit the time and to refine the intention as we approach this knowledge. Anything that you're reading, anything you're listening to, 
Take the time to ponder upon it and see how you benefit from what you are listening to and what you are learning. Allahumma zidna ilman nafi'a. Allahumma, we ask you, O oh Allah, to increase us in beneficial knowledge. Allahumma zidna ilman wa imanan wa yaqeena. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in knowledge and in faith and in certainty. Allahumma ameen. Aqulu kawrihada wa astaghfirullah ilaykum wa isa'al muslimin fastaghfiru innahu al-ghafur rahim. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Allahumma fil mu'minin wal mu'minat wal muslimin wal muslimat al ahya'i minhum wal amwat innaka sami'un qareebun mujibu al-da'wat. Allahumma khfir lana wa rahamna wa'afu anna wa la tu'adhibna. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takhfir lana wa tarhamna la nakunana min al-khasirin. Allahumma innaka afuwun kareemun tuhibu al-afwa fa'afu anna. Allahumma khfir li walidina wa rabbir hamuhuma kama rabbuna sigara. Rabbana hablana man azwajina wa zurriyatina qurrata a'yun waj'alna lil muttaqina imama. Allahumma ansur ikhwana المستضعفين في مشارك الأرض ومغاربها اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين وأذل الشرك والكاذبين ودمر أعداء الدين اللهم أهلك الظالمين بالظالمين وأخرجنا وإخواننا من بين المسالمين عباد الله أن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروا الله يذكركم واشكروه على نعماء يزد لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقيم الصلاة